Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. Hey, what is going on, guys? It's Down to Football back with another episode. Hope everyone is doing well today. We just completed week five of the NFL season. It has been fantastic so far. A lot of crazy games, a lot of amazing performances, things as NFL viewers that we love to see. We come back before week six, and we are going to continue our Down to Football podcast week to week. Hope you guys have been enjoying, so let's jump right into it. The first game of our weekly recap, we got the Packers and the Bengals. This was a crazy game all the way down to the end, and I'll explain why. But let's start off with the Packers statistics because they are the ones who won. Aaron Rodgers had a quality day, 27 of 39 for 344 yards, two touchdowns, and only one pick. Aaron Jones had a very nice day, 14 carries, 103 yards, a very, very solid average for him. A.J. Dillon, the other running back, also had a decent day, maybe not on the ground, but in the air. He had eight carries for 30 yards, but he added four catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams pretty much had his way with the Cincinnati defense, pretty much did exactly what he wanted to do. And we all know knew it was going to happen, especially coming from a Saints fan. He was going against Eli Apple. Uh, yeah, he's not very good. Devontae Adams finished with 11 catches for 206 yards. A phenomenal performance from him. I believe he also had a touchdown. I am going to confirm that in one moment. Give me one moment. I am looking for it. Why can I not find it? I just found it. Yes, he did indeed have a touchdown as well. The defense had a decent day. They totaled three sacks, two interceptions, no fumble recoveries, but a very quality day for the defense. On the other side of things, Joe Burrow went 26 for 38 with 281 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He did suffer an injury during this game, but came back in. And then he went to the hospital after, oh, excuse me, uh, went to the hospital after because he had a throat contusion. Uh, it was a little bit concerning. If anyone was watching that game, he took an extremely hard hit. Uh, and I was I felt really bad because he has absolutely no protection behind that O-line. Although it really wasn't a sack or anything, it was him running and then getting flipped and turned. It just, it looked bad. Thankfully, he's okay. But we continue. Samaj P. Ryan splitting carries with Joe Mixon for this game because Joe Mixon exited last game with an ankle injury, but he was still active for this game. But Samaj P. Ryan had 11 carries for 59 yards and added four catches, 24 yards, and a touchdown. Joe Mixon still had 10 carries. Uh, wasn't really involved in the pass game, but he had 10 carries for 33 yards and did have a touchdown. I believe it was an 8-yard score. Jamar Chase, all those drop issues in the preseason, clearly not evident for the actual season. He's having a great season so far. He had 6 catches for 159 yards and a touchdown. He's just been phenomenal this year. Definitely up for Rookie of the Year contention. Uh, the defense only had 2 sacks, 1 interception. Not bad, but... You need to get a little bit more done if you want to beat the Packers. But the story of this game was the multiple missed field goals. The kickers combined, uh, both Mason Crosby and I think Evan McPherson. I want to say his name is Evan McPherson. I will check in a second. Just want to, yes, Evan McPherson, uh, the Bengals kicker, Mason Crosby, the Packers kicker. They combined four for nine on field goals. 
Four for nine. That's less than less than fifty percent. That's terrible. There were multiple, and especially because it went into overtime, there were multiple missed game-winning field goals. So many opportunities. Evan McPherson at one point he hit it over, over the field goal post, and he thought because it hit the flag, it it, it was in. And well, he thought it hit the flag. It was just very confusing. But he was he was celebrating. He's like, yeah, let's go. Like you know, we just won. But it wasn't a field goal. But essentially, the story of that game was just, wow, the amount of missed field goals, especially in game-winning opportunities, absolutely crazy. And I believe this week, there were 13 missed extra points. So there's like this kicker's cold going around where everyone's just missing. Crazy stuff. Haven't seen anything like it before. It's the most extra points missed in a single week, I believe. Moving on, we had the Chargers-Browns game. This was probably my favorite game of the week. It was crazy from start to finish, but the Chargers take the win. The Chargers do look like legitimate contenders. Justin Herbert, a legitimate MVP candidate. Ooh, he looks great. But Justin Herbert went 26 for 43 with 398 yards and four touchdowns. He also ran the ball four times for 29 yards and added a rushing scorer, Austin Eckler, who has been all over the field all season, continues his very good season. He had 17 carries for 66 yards, really not the the average that he wanted, but he also had two rushing touchdowns, so that kind of makes up for it. And he also had five catches for 53 yards and a touchdown, uh, 100-plus yard performance, three-touchdown day for Eckler, no complaints. Mike Williams, eight catches for 165 yards and two touchdowns. He's been burning defenses. He's finally staying healthy. Clearly, Justin Herbert's number one as of right now. Keenan Allen, in my opinion, is still the best receiver on the team. But right now, Mike Williams is the one putting up stats. Hurts for fantasy value, but in the grand scheme of things for the Chargers, whatever gets them the win is what matters. The defense only had one sack. Obviously, the Browns still put up 42 points. So the defense couldn't get much done, but enough done to secure the win. Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, went 23 for 32 with 305 yards and two touchdowns. A very solid day from him, actually. Nick Chubb, his usual day in the office for him, 21 carries, 161 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt has, although Chubb has still been doing very, very good for the Browns, Kareem Hunt is that pest that just keeps eating into his touches. Kareem Hunt had 12 carries for 61 yards and two touchdowns, and he also had five catches for 28 yards. He's clearly the past catching down back, whatever you want to call him. He's, he's you know, that guy you call him, who's brought in for third down. Uh, but he's he's getting red zone looks. It's a little concerning for Chubb's value, but Chubb still makes do with what, what he's given, so I'm not really concerned with that uh, in terms of fantasy. But again, same situation, whatever gets him the win. Unfortunately, they didn't get the win in this one. But the surprising player in this game who... And Bleacher Report Gridiron on Instagram constantly, when they do mock trades and say, oh, yeah, this is the uh, player's most likely to be traded by the by the deadline. For, like, the last three years, it's been David Njoku. And, and, you know, you haven't really seen him do too much to even garner any value at the trade deadline. But this game, he had seven catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. Easily a career day for him. I mean, speaks for itself. The defense had two sacks and one fumble recovery. Overall, it was a very quality day from the Browns. They just couldn't get it done. 47 points allowed is not exactly ideal. And I'm sure on the Chargers side, 42 points from the Browns is not ideal as well. But fortunately enough, the offense was able to outscore them. And the defense was able to hold up just enough. The Chargers take the win. 
Last game, the Monday night game. This was actually a really good game. Probably Lamar Jackson's best game of his career. Uh, the Ravens win 31-25 to against the Colts. There was one controversial play, which I will talk about after I conclude with all the statistics. But Lamar Jackson went 37 for 43. I mean, that is precise. I believe 86% completion percentage. That is fantastic. He had 442 yards, which I want to say is a career high in passing for him. He had four touchdowns passing. He also had two two-point conversions. And he added 14 carries for 62 yards. Very quality day from Lamar Jackson. But the rest of the running backs, not very good. 11 carries for 24 yards. Practically nothing on the ground against the Colts. Their running back situation so far this year has been definitely not ideal. Obviously, they lost Gus Edwards and obviously, hopefully, sophomore breakout J.K. Dobbins. Both to very, but you know, season ending injuries. It sucks. Things happen. It's freak injuries. Hopefully, we can see them healthy next year. But it has been affecting the Ravens' run game clearly. This is actually the first game. I forget what the streak number is, but we had this controversy with Vic, Vic Fangio. Fangio, I don't really know how to pronounce his name, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, about how. When the Ravens were running down the clock against them, they they instead of kneeling, they ran the ball just to get the 100-yard mark. Uh, they've had m- numerous consecutive games with 100 total rushing yards as a team. And that streak was actually broken last night during this Monday night game. So just wanted to put that out there. Mark Andrews, a career day for him. He had 11 catches for 147 yards, two touchdowns. He's the one who caught the two two-point conversions. Very quality fantasy day from him. Uh, you don't really get points like that from tight ends unless it's Darren Wall or George Kittle or or uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously. But very solid day from Mark Andrews. Could have potentially won you fantasy for the week. Same with Lamar Jackson. Same with uh, you know some other guys on the other team. Uh, and Marquise Brown. He had nine catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. He's been looking like the receiver they drafted in the first round. Finally, he's starting to break out. The defense had two sacks, no picks, but did have a fumble recovery, so at least one turnover. On the flip side of things, Carson Wentz, he had a really solid day, actually. And Baltimore's defense is very, very good. So I'm happy to see Carson Wentz do well in this game. He went 25 for 35 with 402 yards and two touchdowns. That's a very solid day from Carson Wentz. He did have the one fumble that he lost, which the Ravens recovered, but still, very good day. Jonathan Taylor had a crazy game, uh, 15 carries for 53 yards, not particularly the average he's looking for on the ground that's less than four yards a carry, usually typically aim for over four yards carry, but he did have a touchdown on the ground, but one of the first plays of the game, three catches for 116 yards and a touchdown, The one, like I was saying, the one, one play kind of right off the bat was a 76-yard uh, pass touchdown where he kind of just burned everyone on the defense, it was just a little running back screen to the left and... Boom, shot down the field, easy score, 76 yards. Michael Pittman, he's a sophomore wide receiver, and he is looking pretty good this year. I had a lot of faith in him being the successor to T.Y. Hillen, who's clearly on the decline. He has been injured all year. T.Y. Hillen, obviously, great in his prime, but steadily declining. He's old. It makes sense. But Michael Pittman, six catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Very, very solid day from him. He has been solid all year. He also lost. So uh, I forget what defensive back was for the for the long touchdown. It was a crazy play. Uh, but Michael Pittman looks really good. And the defense only had two sacks, no turnovers. Uh, I think that's kind of like the story in this game is the Colts could have won 
if they had more turnovers, I think that one fumble recovery was kind of crucial. Uh, that fumble by Carson Wentz, which sucks, but things happen. But the story in this game, the controversy, is the fumble recovery touchdown that was then called back. So Darius Leonard recovered a touchdown pretty much at the goal line when Lamar Jackson fumbled it, and then he passed it backwards, at least it looked like it was backwards, to one of the defensive backs who then ran it all the way down the field for the touchdown. But the thing that startles me is that they call it back and say it was an illegal forward pass. They still get the, the fumble recovery. Or they, yeah, they still get the fumble recovery from uh, from Lamar Jackson. But, uh, you know, I looked at multiple angles, and it truly did look like where Darius Leonard tossed He tossed it backwards. So I was really, really shocked that it, it was overturned. I, I thought it was clear as day that he tossed it backwards. If you looked at where he tossed it and where the running back was when he tossed it, I don't know. Just just interesting. A lot of Colts fans obviously, you know, pivot towards the narrative, oh, we would have won if if that didn't happen. You know, you had other opportunities to win. I hate saying that. And I'm not trying to be that Debbie Downer, but, you know, there's <laughs> there's 60 minutes to win a game, so... Can't really just blame it on one play. But it definitely was interesting. It caught me by surprise. I just, again, still can't believe they they did they, they turned it over. Crazy stuff. But those are the games of the week. We will recap real quick. Packers take down the Bengals 25-22. Chargers down the Browns 47-42. And the Ravens take the Colts on Monday Night Football 31-25 in overtime. Outstanding performers of the week. I'm not going to list everyone's statistics. There were so many good players this week. I I can't even get to naming all of them, but I'm going to name them. No statistics involved. But outstanding performers, quarterback Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady. Lamar Jackson, super efficient in the air, also had decent rushing day. Justin Herbert, four passing touchdowns, added a rushing touchdown, a win, big win over the Browns. Tom Brady absolutely obliterating Miami for 400-plus yards and five touchdowns. All extremely solid days from those QBs. A lot of great running backs this week as well. Nick Chubb was phenomenal. He had 161 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler totaled over 100 scrimmage yards, had the three total touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, over 160 scrimmage yards, and he had two touchdowns, both one rushing, one receiving and Derrick Henry a typical day in the office for him he had over 100 rushing yards and three touchdowns what else can you expect from Derrick Henry he does it every single week wide receivers Devontae Adams I wanted to put other people but it was just such a dominant performance by Devontae Adams I don't think that anyone else needs to be mentioned although I'm thinking I want to talk about two other people Devontae Adams obviously one outstanding performer at wide receiver I also want to talk about Kadarius Toney he obliterated the Cowboys defense, he had a hundred and it was either 189 yards or 190 yards, one or the other, but he had a massive day until he punched through a punch at one of the Dallas Cowboys players and got ejected. Uh, he did, he did send out an apology publicly and said, you know, the emotions got the best of him, but wow. Uh, the, we all saw what happened during that game for those who watched a slew of injuries for the Giants. I mean, we're talking Saquon, Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, and the numerous other people who were already hurt and weren't even active for the game. So just crazy. But Devontae Adams, Kadarius Tony, and obviously, you know, you have Mike Williams, too, who had a massive day, which I spoke about in the Chargers-Browns game. 
But those are the wide receivers and tight ends. Has to go to Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, and Dawson Knox. All went over 100 yards. Kyle Pitts and Dawson Knox both added a score. Whereas on the other hand, Mark Andrews added two scores and the two two-point conversions. Uh, so pretty much did it. Did account for 16 points. So very good day from Mark Andrews. Very good day from everyone that I listed. On the outstanding performers, congratulations, you have made the list. And we move on. So, next, I'm thinking this week I'm going to stick to fantasy football. I want to go over some things. So first of all, I'm going to do a little sit stardom segment. So, start. Joe Burrow against Detroit. Look, they have a super easily penetrable defense. Detroit. Not very good. Obviously, the Vikings didn't do that much, didn't score that much against them last week, but it is a division matchup, so things like that are prone to happening. But I do think that with Joe Burrow, you know, he just had the throw contusion, but is expected to play against Detroit. I think this is an exploitable matchup, so I see no reason not to start him. You know, if it comes down to him, you know, a better-rated quarterback, but in a difficult matchup, I think you might want to go with Joe Burrow and the potential in this matchup. Wide receiver, I'm thinking Deontay Johnson. He had a very good week last week against the Denver Broncos. Now, Seattle, again, very exploitable matchup. It is highly dependent on what Ben Roethlisberger they get. He has been so bad this year to the point where I'm shocked he has not been benched yet. But he's not... The uh, honestly, you know what? Let me let me rephrase. I'm shocked he hasn't gotten, gotten benched yet solely because he just doesn't look healthy. He has no arm strength. It, it's just concerning for you know this team. They have a great defense, but man, their offense is dysfunctional. They just lost Juju Smith Schuster. Pretty much, I'm pretty sure for the season as well. So that is a tough, tough loss. Very tough loss. So Deontay Johnson is going to have to kind of carry that unit. You know, you obviously have Chase Claypool. You have Najee Harris, who's getting tons of looks each game out of the backfield. But I do think that Deontay Johnson needs to be started in this game. I see this game being a potential shootout. Um, and I either potential shootout or Seattle. Actually, I don't know because Russ, Russ isn't playing. Uh so, I don't know. I do think that Deontay Johnson gets a lot of looks in this game. Seattle's secondary is very brutal. I could see him, you know, getting somewhere between 70 to 80 yards, touchdown, maybe two touchdowns, actually. But I think that this is a very good matchup, uh, especially considering the type of volume he's going to get with other, you know, with, with Juju out. So, I think 100% Deontay Johnson, at the very least, should be in your flex spot. Moving on, we are going to go to running back, and I have Kareem Hunt in here, and I know he's, for some teams at least, he, he's a, a start every single week. For others, he might not be, but 100% needs to be started in this game, both him and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is just obviously, you, you never not want to start him, but Arizona, obviously, high-octane high offense they do so much in Arizona. They 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 score early and often. They they never put the brakes on. So hypothetically, if Arizona does come out shooting and 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 is scoring, the Browns might have to go into pass mode. And Nick Chubb is obviously not the you know guy you want to look for for a pass. That is Kareem Hunt. So I think Kareem Hunt could get a lot of touches in this game. I'm thinking he could end up with around 20. 
you know, anywhere between 12 to 15 carries as well. Eh, maybe not 12 to, yeah, actually 12 to 15 carries is more than reasonable. But then he could also add anywhere from five to seven catches. I do think he gets a score in this game. He's been getting a lot of red zone looks, which is very surprising to me when you do have a guy like Nick Chubb. Um, but I do think Kareem Hunt needs to be started. No questions asked. And then tight end. This is going to seem crazy because it's not, it seems like a good matchup, but realistically, it's not a good matchup. Dawson Knox at Tennessee. So, Tennessee has actually been one of the better teams at defending tight ends. But Dawson Knox is getting good volume, getting a lot of good downfield looks right now from Josh Allen. He's, I don't think Dawson Knox has hit the point where he's a must-start every single week, but he's become... You know, it might not be every single week when he puts up numbers, but he's become a decent starter, uh, you know, for a very, very thin, weak position group, uh, you know, in terms of fantasy football, at least. There are not many good, high-scoring tight ends, so when you have a guy like Dawson Knox, I mean, he just went for 100 yards in a score last week. He might be your best option, and I see no reason not to start him. I think that he's a start this week, especially. I think Tennessee actually, you know, if AJ's healthy, if Julio comes back, I think that this could be a very high-scoring game. Otherwise, it's just going to be a Derrick Henry show, uh, d- depending, obviously, on if the Bills don't score a lot early. But I think part of that scoring will be Dawson Knox. I think just the amount of looks that he's getting, he's getting targets, he's getting open, he's finding a lot of space. I think that there's no reason not to start him. And I do think that he's a must-start for this week. He's a must-start really until... You know, you see his floor at his worst, and then we can evaluate from there. But for this upcoming week, I do think that you need to start Dawson Knox if you have him and he is your best option. Not Maybe not even if he's your best option. You know, if it's between him and a guy like Dallas Goddard, and, you know, Dallas Goddard's going up against Tampa Bay this week, I just think that you got to start Dawson Knox. You just have to. Obviously, you don't start him over a guy like Waller Pitts. TJ Hawkinson, Andrews, Kittle, well, Kittle's hurt right now, but the point is, is that if you can start him, do it. If you can start him and and he's not intruding upon one of the better tight ends in the league, then yeah, start him. Sitting, who should we sit this week? So first off, Derek Carr, after a very hot start, has slowed down very, very quickly. And he's going up against the Dalton Denver defense. Obviously, the Steelers just put up 27 points against them this week. But their defense is still very good. And it's in Denver as well. So I just think this is an extremely avoidable matchup. I like Derek Carr. I'm a big fan of Derek Carr. But I don't think this is the right matchup for him. I just don't. I it's. I think there's better streaming options potentially. I think that you know the likelihood is you probably do have a better starter. Um, but if you've been relying on Derek Carr this year, I'm not so sure that Denver, at Denver especially, is a really startable matchup. I think you should avoid it at all costs if possible. Now this next one's going to seem super crazy, but I will give my reasoning. Tyler Boyd at Detroit bench. Now Detroit, and I just talked about it with Joe Burrow, extremely exploitable matchup. But Tyler Boyd just see, isn't seeing the volume with with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase both there and both healthy. Jamar Chase is obviously the number one receiver right now for that team. I don't think there's any questioning that. Uh, you know, T. Higgins returned last week and Tyler Boyd barely got any looks. 
it's it's concerning for his future. I think that Tyler Boyd is is a decent flex or a very very solid bench guy to have, but he's not somebody that you start every single week. You kind of base it on matchup, and I know this seems like such a juicy good matchup, you know, hundred plus yard touchdown potential type of matchup. But I'm thinking you gotta bench him in this one. I, I Denver or Detroit's not allowing a ton of scores to wide receivers. Uh, so, you know, the touchdown potential is kind of off the board. You know, with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and, and, and especially a weak run defense. So, you know, Joe Mixon might be involved a lot in this game. I think this this is a, a benchable matchup. I know it sounds crazy, but it, it's more of a gut feeling. I, I'm, not, I'm just not liking the matchup. Next matchup is pretty obvious. Do not start Miles Sanders, even at home versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is probably going to obliterate the Eagles or or beat them comfortably, and the thing with Tampa Bay is they're gonna they're gonna probably be in the lead most of the game. So Miles Sanders is probably not going to get involved. I mean, what have we seen in the last couple of weeks? Honestly, Miles Sanders has been a bench in the last couple of weeks. Honestly, since week one, Nick Sirianni just refuses to run the ball. I couldn't tell you why. They just they just don't run the ball. And Miles Sanders. You know, we saw last year can rip off a big run here and there. He can, he can, and and he will get you decent scores. He er, decent scores. He will get you decent yardage. He will put you in good field position, and he can score from within the goal line. So I just don't understand what Nick Sirianni is doing there in Philadelphia for the run game. He's doing pretty much nothing so far for them. But again, against Tampa Bay, a very good run defense. This is just a completely avoidable matchup. I know Miles Sanders may have been drafted to be your flex or running back too, but honestly, it's just not worth it. You probably have a better better streaming option out there somewhere. Just simply do not start Miles Sanders. And my last bench is Dalton Schultz at New England. He has been... Again, one of the better waiver wire additions for a very, very weak, very weak position. But it goes against New England. Uh, I, you know, I think that the Cowboys do win this game, and I think they score a decent amount. But I just don't think it's going to be through the tight ends. We saw New England's defense kind of get demolished. Their defense was getting demolished. Uh, the secondary just not looking good. Obviously, they just got rid of Stephon Gilmore. Just overall, not just not what they were expecting. Not against the Texans, especially in Davis Mills, who had his best career game so far, and it was a very good game actually. But the tight ends were primarily non-existent in that game uh, for for the Texans at least. And I know the Texans don't have some crazy good tight end, obviously. But New England has been very good so far this season with limiting scores and yardage to tight ends. So I think that this is an avoidable matchup. I think that. Uh, the likelihood is you can find a better streaming matchup, whether it's, you know, on the on the flip side, Hunter Henry, you know, Hunter Henry had a good week last week and could very well have a good week this week. But I think that this is an avoidable matchup, uh, you know, whether Dak Prescott is going to throw for 400 yards or not. I don't think Schultz is going to be a very big part of this game plan. So you can either take my word for it or don't. But we are going to start Joe Burrow, Deontay Johnson, Kareem Hunt, and Dawson Knox this week. And we are going to sit Derek Carr, Tyler Boyd, Miles Sanders, and Dalton Schultz. Moving on, real quick to kind of round out the fantasy football talk. We have our sell-high-buy-low candidates so far for the year. 
Uh, right now, if you're looking to, you got some of these guys you want to sell high, I would go for it 100%. And if you got some of these guys that you, you know, you want to buy low right now, they aren't doing that great, try, try it. Why not? So sell high. I have Mike Williams. Mike Williams has been Justin Herbert's favorite target this year. There is no questions asked, but I still do think that Keenan Allen, like I said before, is the wide receiver one of this team. He is the glue. He is the best receiver on this team, and I think that will be apparent by the end of the season. Mike Williams, who is prone to getting injured at random times and is also prone to slowing down as well, even though it doesn't look like it right now. Uh, I would sell high if you can. Although he's been fantastic, you know, he, you could go get two solid players. You know, package Mike Williams with a decent player to get two very, very good starting caliber, caliber players or maybe one starting caliber player and a good bench player. You know, you could fill out another position if you need to. You know, he could this guy could be, be your wide receiver three currently, and you could be lacking at running back. So definitely try and sell Mike Williams if you can. Leonard Fournette, look. I know this sounds crazy. He's not being a, an extreme point hoarder, but you can make the case that he's getting all the touches right now. He clearly is. Ronald Jones has not been getting many touches. Leonard Fournette has been reaching almost 20 a game. Though he hasn't had many rushing touchdowns this year, I don't, I'm not sure that he's had any, actually. I think he has. But the point is, he's getting the touches, he's getting the volume, and you can make that case to somebody else. Oh, you know, he's make, getting the volume, it's there. Uh, you know, the scores will come down the line. You can make that case sell high, sell while he's getting this volume because the Bucks are prone to giving the guy the most touches with the hottest hand. Uh, we saw it last year when Ronald Jones was hot. He, he, you know, he would torch defenses for a couple weeks, slow down, and then next thing you know, Leonard Fournette is stepping in. And I think that although Fournette is doing good right now, I think that will always remain the case. So I think that if you can sell high on Leonard Fournette and just get a decent you know, wide receiver, tight end, running back in replacement, go for it. And then lastly, Dawson Knox. I like Dawson Knox right now. I think that, you know, again, weak position. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, can easily fill in a beer tight end all year. But I think his value is a little volatile. I think right now it's high. But I think down the line, he'll have a lot of slow games where it just, it just naturally happens. So I think right now you sell high on him. If if he's not, you know, if you're not banking on him to be your tight end one, if you are banking on him to be your tight end one right now, I'm assuming you don't have a very good tight end two uh, on the bench. So if that's the case, don't get rid of him. But if the case is that he is your backup tight end and he's kind of just riding the bench when you have you know, Kelsey or Waller or Andrews or any of them any of them at that caliber starting, I think that you try and sell high with Dawson Knox, find a, you know, a tight end needy team, uh, try and fill out another position, QB, wide receiver, running back. I think it's very possible with Dawson Knox's value right now being very high, especially after a very solid game yesterday. So those are the guys right now you should sell high. Mike Williams, Leonard Fournette, Dawson Knox. And by low, Calvin Ridley is my number one guy. He is getting the looks. It's just that Atlanta's offense is super, super dysfunctional. Uh, the whole team is honestly dysfunctional. But I think that right now, Calvin Ridley not getting scores, not getting a ton of yardage. He's not having amazing games like he did last year. I, you you, you got to try and buy low on him. I mean, you could you can offer somebody who's playing really well right now and a team who's desperate, you know, to win, I'm sure people who have Calvin Ridley might not have the record that they wanted when they drafted him. 
obviously. But I think that if you try and be like, hey, like, you know, I see Calvin Ridley's doing bad. I'll give you this guy. You know, he's been really good all year. I, I'll take the risk on Ridley. You're getting a guy who's been hot so far. You know, you could make that case, try and buy low with Calvin Ridley because obviously he is way too talented to not break out at some point. Uh, another guy I said buy low, but I, I didn't really want to put him on this list because I don't think you should even try to buy him low is Allen Robinson. I mean, the quarterback play there, the lack of targets, lack of yardage right now is just something to completely avoid if possible. Uh, so don't even try to buy low on him. It's just not worth it. And then next we got Joe Mixon right now. He's hurt. Uh, he is not getting a ton of efficiency, but the, the volume when he is fully healthy is there. And I think that right now is because he's hurt. He's a little banged up. You could potentially buy low on him. You know, if you're, if I'm assuming the people who buy low on him are in a spot where they have a good running back one and have, you know, a plethora of, of depth and can, you know, maybe package two good bench players who could start for other teams for Joe Mixon right now. Uh, I think that's more than possible. Uh, again, volume is always going to be there with Joe Mixon. It, it, that's how it is, whether he's doing well or not. It's just always going to be there. Go get Joe Mixon if you can. And then the last guy is Gronk. Again, another guy banged up. He's just not... He obviously has these cracked ribs, punctured lung or whatever it was. It, just not an ideal injury for Gronk. Uh, he has a shot at playing this week uh, in a very good matchup against Philadelphia. But... Overall, I mean, he had the two monster first two weeks, and now he's kind of slowing down. He had two eh weeks, and then obviously had the injury. So, again, very, very thin position. I've said it multiple times on this podcast. Very thin position at tight end. So, if you can buy low on Gronk, I'd say go for it. Uh, you know, he may not even be have been drafted. You know, I got him off waivers in one league, and I don't think he was drafted in any other leagues. So... Obviously, he was picked up after that, but if you can buy low right now for him right now, be like, hey, like I'm just looking for you know, a decent tight end. I can give you this bench guy to add depth. Go for it. Why not? I think Gronk is a sufficient enough tight end to get you points and be a starter when he is healthy, especially in that aerial attack. I mean, the Bucks very good in the air, and Gronk is a big part of that. So go buy Gronk low. So the buy, buy high or sell high. Mike Williams, Leonard Fournette, Dawson Knox, buy low, Calvin Ridley, Joe Mixon, Gronk. That is it for the Fantasy Football Talk of the Week. Obviously, we are going to end it with my locked in and upset picks. Don't mean to brag, but I am 8-0 with my picks this year. My upset picks have hit for four straight weeks. Uh, and this week is looking not great. There are some very interesting matchups. Uh, I'm kind of banking on something to happen. But my locked in pick this week... I know it seems a little chintzy, but the Chiefs over Washington, the Chiefs are on a slew of just rough games. They looked so bad, so, so dysfunctional against the Bills. They are angry. They want to obliterate someone. Washington, very, very vulnerable defense right now, at least. They were supposed to have a good defense, but very vulnerable defense. I think the Chiefs just absolutely steamroll over them this game. And then my upset pick after suffering a brutal loss to the Chargers by five points and that crazy comeback win by Justin Herbert, I liked enough of what I saw of the Browns. I think that they can upset the Cardinals and give the Cardinals their first loss of the year. It is in Cleveland. It's very possible. The offense just has to be in sync. The defense just needs to step up a little bit. 
I think it's possible. I'm thinking after this week, I'll be 9-1 and one with my picks. I don't think that upset pick hit, but it's the best one I got. I think there were other upset picks that I could have gone with, but I think that I wanted to, I wanted to spice it up a bit, do something a little crazy. But again, locked in. Chiefs over Washington, upset Browns, upset the Cardinals. That is going to be it for this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed. Those who listen, I hope you keep tuning in. I love talking football with you guys. Uh, you know, follow my Twitter at Down the Football, and you know, give me suge- suggestions on what you think I should do. Something that I'll that'll add to this podcast that you think other people will enjoy, including yourself as well. I'm open to anything uh, as long as it's football related. I'm here to talk about it. That is going to be it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Just keep staying tuned. I appreciate the support. And I just have one last question. Are you down to football?